Welcome to Characters Here Podcast. I'm your host, Sade, creator of SLF Entertainment. On this show, I interview talented people as they share their amazing stories. I also share stories of my own, talking about the ups and downs in life and how to stay motivated. You can find me on Instagram at SLF underscore entertainment, Facebook SLF Entertainment, and check out my books on Amazon. So join the community at CharactersHere.com. Hello, everybody. This is Sade, your host of Characters Here Podcast. This is episode 10, titled You Can Flourish, and I am interviewing Nezzy. I am so excited because she's the first rapper and she's a woman that I am interviewing, and I'm really, really excited about that. So let me just get into why this episode is titled You Can Flourish. So, you know, in life, we don't just breathe and then success happens. We have to breathe, eat, sleep, stay hydrated, exercise, think, communicate, love, make a living, fail, try again and again, try again and again, (laughs) and repeat and realize that there is more to life and realize that there is more to life. Each one of us has a purpose to serve. So this is my story. For me, I've always been attracted to the expression of arts, from drawing to writing, singing and dancing. It was and it still is fun for me. But after my childhood, I let the world fill my head with what I was supposed to do, what I thought I was supposed to do. Um, When I went to college, you know, I was studying. Um, This was my major. I was going to graduate start a career in it, and what? Make lots of money. And that was supposed to turn me into someone that I honestly never wanted to be. And I even said it, but I didn't realize that I was saying it or aware that what I'm saying is I'm speaking truth to, you know, what I don't want to be, but here I am pursuing it. So I was lost. I became unhappy, and I just did not know why I didn't understand until I started being honest with myself. I was choosing a path that just was not for me. It wasn't until I stopped trying so hard to fit myself into this cookie cutter that I began to flourish. We are all blessed with unique capabilities. And if we never share what was given to us, that God gave us, you know, that person or a group of people that we are supposed to help and inspire will never get inspired because they didn't hear your specific message, you know. It's funny, I've listened to all these different motivational speakers, but each one of them, they could say the same thing, but each one has their own delivery. And you could hear person A, person B, and it takes for person C to say to say the same thing, just with a little bit of jazz, their own little, you know, little sauce, little season on it. And you immediately are triggered and you are stuck, you are glued to everywhere they're seen. So... You have to share your talents, even if you don't think it's a talent. But remember, it's something you you came out the womb doing. <laughs> it's something you did as a kid that just lit up your world. And when you shared it with others, people just always say, oh, look what you did. This is amazing. You know, that person that you're supposed to touch, that person that you're supposed to inspire, those group of people will not get inspired to just write. Or face adversity, start their own business, make their own music, educate themselves, and acknowledge their worth. You can inspire someone to just do it. 
And when you find peace within yourself and love what you do and see that even though more obstacles are coming, they are only preparing you to flourish even more. You are a success and a blessing. So thank you so much for listening. We are again in episode 10 of Character Theory Podcast. Let's get right into this beautiful, amazing person that I'm interviewing, Miss Nezzy. Um, also, check out her album called Seasons. It's everywhere. And I'll get right into it and I'll talk with y'all in the next episode. Bye, y'all. She's from Lagos, Nigeria, currently living in Dallas, Texas, double major at Texas Tech University, rapper, poet, live painter, and an all-around artist, and a special guest on Characters Here, 26 Years Young, Nezi Mamadou. Welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> <laughs> so take us to the beginning. What was your childhood like? I grew up in Lagos, but I grew up in Ikeja. So basically, I lived in the area that I, I mean, I hear now it's not that a lot of drug dealers live there. It's like people who are rich for wrong reasons. But mm. we had a really nice, um, really nice house. I lived with my mom and my dad. Um, I'm one of five, but it was six of us because my dad was married previously. But either way, it was like a dream. It was like a fairy tale. Um, Really nice house, big. We had a lot of maids, like house girls. Um, my mom owned a bakery. She sold a lot, you know. Um, she cooked a lot. I know she catered. She was just a really giving person, loved around the community. We were really well off. Mm-hmm. My dad was like a teacher. We went to very expensive boarding schools. And then when I went to, when we moved out of that, we had like private school. We had a driver. We had a compound, which is not... Um, which is not abnormal to a lot of Nigerians that live in the U.S. Because most Nigerians that live in the U.S. are a little bit wealthier. They're not. It's not the same. The ones that you see that are like, oh, I'm African, but they're born here. That when they go to Nigeria, that's what they experience. They haven't experienced real Nigeria as far as just <laughs> living in a normal. They live in compounds and stuff. Okay. And so then, um, my dad passed away, mm-hmm. and everything kind of changed. Yeah, like we just didn't have, so we had to be split up to different family members because we didn't really have a place to stay or anyone that could afford to take all of us in. And so I think that was the big issue, especially for my mom, because she kind of, my dad really spoiled her. So really know, and then the upbringing for like a Nigerian woman at that point is not the way um, black American women are in the United States. Whereas like a lot of black American women when they're, they, I mean, we hear the story all the time of like the strong single mom who like they get together like, as soon as anything happens, they know, or they were raised, or black men that talk about the fact that they were raised by a mom and their mom did everything. And we're still taught that, we're, we still raise women to be very strong, whereas it's the opposite there. It's like, they're strong in different ways, but not in a sense of being a breadwinner. Whereas here, women are taught to be a breadwinner. They're really, it's engraved in that you have to, do whatever you can to, you know, be stable. So I, that was a shock for her. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically, she ended up winning the, winning the visa lottery for a visa for you to be able to come to America. And it's only a certain amount. And so she won, I believe four. So one for herself and then to split up her, pick which of her fake, it sounds so bad. <laughs> pick which of her kids she's gonna go with. Like, so she had to evaluate and be like, okay, which kids am I going to essentially abandon and which kids am I going to bring? Yeah. So 
I mean, that's basically it. Like, we were split up for a long time, for eight years. And then, actually, after applying and applying and applying and applying and applying and them denying it, they finally accepted my sisters to come. And then we were, like, together. But basically, my childhood was filled with my mom coming to the United States. We, we lived in a two-bedroom apartment. It was with my uncle, who a lot, she had known, who she grew up with. He was gracious enough to let us stay with him, but... I didn't have a room. My brothers didn't really have a room either because at first it was two of my uncles and the other one moved out and then we got to all sleep in that one room with that bathroom. So then it was all four of us sharing that one room. And then you know, my mom has always worked like three jobs and she still works three jobs. She still comes home at like, she leaves at 6 a.m. She comes home at midnight every single day. So it's, I mean, yeah, so that's basically it. Like we never really had a go out and play, go out and enjoy this, let's go on trips, let's go do this. It's always been like a dynamic of, okay, you have to figure out what you're doing because the, the overall goal is, okay, we have to bring your sisters here. Or we have to, yeah, like it's never been, I never really had that type of, and then when we came to America, you know, boys, they explore. Boys, I think, tend to fit in a lot easier than girls whenever they go to new places. Yes. Especially if they're athletic and tall and right yeah so if my brothers are good they were tall they were athletic they just meshed in whereas me i didn't that well i wasn't so lucky with that i was weird i was strange i was sounded funny smelled funny looked funny i was they, they got friends until they would leave because my mom was so when you have a parent that's gone from dusk till dawn you really are raising yourself like you can do whatever you want but they would leave they would just leave so I would just be at home by myself. And I I do have, like, the personality of only child. Like, all my friends tell me that in certain aspects. Not in, like, the selfishness aspect. But definitely in, like, the I talk to myself. I'm awkward. I don't know how to be around people. I don't really. I mean, that's basically what it, it's been as far as childhood. What would you say was your role model? Did you have someone you looked up to when you was growing up? Um, like, a, a celebrity or, like. It can be anyone. Someone you saw that you could relate to, or you wanted to be like. Man, I I love Lauren Hill. Yes. <laughs> I love, I love yeah. Lauren Hill. I love Lauren Hill. I love Missy Elliott. Mm-hmm. And then I guess my older brother was like my role model for a time when I was like little and I didn't know anything about life. <laughs> I thought he was like everything. Like I would look up to him and just like be like. But he was also like my dad, so he played a dad role. So I would look up to him like, oh my gosh, like I'm just like him. But then as I got older, I would look at other people. Like, I just was infatuated with everything about Lauryn Hill. And Missy Elliott, her videos. And, you know, when you, when you at home, you ain't nothing to do. And you know who's watching TV. And there's nobody there to, like, discipline you. I would watch the TV. And a BT Next. Was it BT Next or BT Now? It was something like that where we just played videos nonstop, and it was nothing but Miss Elliot, Missy Elliott videos are just so live. And so I was watching. Did you say and, like um, they were people who inspired you to get into arts, music, painting? No, not at all. Um, not at all. I would definitely say they inspired me to like understand femininity is is not. Um, femininity is very fluid. It's not a one-track thing. Yeah. And I didn't understand. I mean, I can say that now that I'm older and I know how to word it. As a kid, I didn't understand how to explain that. Yeah. 
but that's what I liked about them is that I would look at them and I'd be like look at her especially Missy Elliott because I was always teased because everybody said I didn't know if I was a boy or a girl they used to say that to me like are you a boy are you a girl and Missy very tomboyish but it was cool like people liked her like people would want to be like her and she didn't look like just a girl whereas Lauren Hill she looked like a girl she was beautiful she was dark but she wasn't acting the way other women who looked like her would act like she wasn't just so sexual she wasn't still really with the guys and yet she was still emotional like it was just like a look you don't have to be like this girl it's meant to be a nigerian it's like you have to be a traditional girl and i wasn't so then it's like you don't have to be that for people to like you or to be successful that's what they gave to me as far as like getting into art it was definitely my brother so were they were your family would you say very supportive of your talent uh i mean they didn't really know mm-hmm. as far as art yeah. art was a hobby i was told oh. that from up up until high school even when oh. i went to go I mean, I'm African, so we don't do that. Um, in high school, I was in advanced classes, straight A student. I was, I got into school definitely for like fighting and stuff. But as far as like school work in school, that was nothing to play with. I was not. Art was a hobby. It was always pushed to the back burner as that's not a serious thing. You're you're good at it. Great. That's just that's just one of those random things that you're good at. But that's not that doesn't mean anything. You're also good at science. You're also good at math. So it never was a what are you seriously going to do with this until my sister she is married to somebody who majored in painting and he's very successful yeah my um he graduated from a college in nigeria called yabatech but he is like a creative director of a i believe an advertising company or a marketing company Mm -hmm. but he he was a painting major but he's also very extremely talented and he was also a rapper so Upon getting to know my sister when she came here and like getting to know him and learning all these random things about him, you know, getting to know him and seeing that. And then my mom kind of find that out too. She was like, oh, okay, I see you can actually make a, if you choose to, you can make a corporate career from art if you work hard and you're smart. So then it was like, okay, as far as music, they didn't know anything about it. I didn't tell anybody anything about it until it just, it got so viral that there was no way to hide it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then other people told them, they asked me. Did you ever have, like, an internal conflict with, like, did you know this is something that you wanted to do, or did you kind of hide it, or how was it to try to fight with, oh, this is the right way to go, or, you know, it's like an inner battle on what to do when you get older? Um, The interesting thing about me is I, I don't know how to hide anything. Mm-hmm. I try to hide it. I'm so myself that it's just completely exhausting for anyone who knows me (laughs) definitely I thought maybe I could be it because I mean that's why I was a double major too like there is a part of me that I'm very I'm I'm a very I'm one of those people who is left left brained and very very right brained as well so I can't live a life without reading and doing math and learning new things and so I was like okay Throughout high school, I thought I was going to be an engineer. That was what I wanted to do. So I took a lot of classes geared towards that. So I took AP Physics, AP Cal, AP Bio, um, AP Chemistry. Like, not pre-AP, AP. So I went out of my way to, like, get college credits in that aspect, thinking, okay, when I go to college, this is what I'm going to do. 
So it wasn't like it was I was like being forced by anything. Like even though my mom doesn't play about school, she never had to uh, coddle me regarding school. I was always good at it. So there was never, I'm sure if I was bad, it would have been an issue, but that it never was. So she never had to be like, let me see your grades. Let me see this because she just knew, she just knew I was fine. So it was like going into school. The only battle I had to battle with was like myself. Like, are you happy? That's what you want to do. And I didn't even start painting until I got to college. I wasn't a painter. Did you choose any, um, any courses that were more geared towards arts than it was for like the engineering? I mean, I didn't go into college engineering. Um, when I went to college, by then when I went to college, I had already decided, okay, I'm going to be an art major. Um, okay. yeah, I had art, but within being an art major, I started feeling empty because it wasn't, I've always been like, it wasn't rigorous enough for me. Everything was coming too easy. I don't know how to explain it. Like, it, but you know, in college, the first, your first, first year's classes aren't difficult at all. Like, yeah. And so I was like, okay, that's fine. And then got to the second semester and I was like, yeah, that's fine. And when I got to my sophomore year and the classes started becoming like more focused on art and doing sketches and stuff. I started noticing that the teachers weren't teaching in a way that I liked in a sense of, I felt like they were trying to make me into something, making me draw and do things that I didn't necessarily want to do. And I also took AP art in uh, high school as well. So there were a lot of like, principles and stuff that I had already known, that I've already practiced. And I just didn't feel, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, I didn't, it would have definitely been better. I think if I went to another school, but I felt so, I felt like I was dumbing myself. Like I would look at, and I was really cool with a lot of Africans. So then I would talk to them and they'd be, you know, we got to go study. We got to go do this. You know what I mean? Like, cause they're engineers, they're, they're bio majors. You got to go read. They're learning about new things. And I was just sitting there and like, what am I doing? Like, I would have to go to the library and pick up random books and research random topics to stay up. And I was also a double minor in history and math. I picked up my double major. So I was uh, art minor in math, minor in history. So that was cool too. But within getting a, the history minor and learning about different things, I started being like, like this really interested me. And I'm one, I'm just all around the place. Like, <laughs> I know I sound like I'm all over the place, but that's really who I am. Like I'm all over the place. In learning that, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And so then I would do more and more research. Then that started overcoming my, then I started falling behind in like my sketches that I'm supposed to do for the day and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Like art is just a hobby. Like I don't want to do this. I don't want to be forced to draw every day because I already do every day naturally, but it was like, I don't want to be forced to draw this every day. Yeah. So I changed my, yeah. Yeah. And then when, okay. yeah, and then when I taught in my philosophy classes, it was like, everything came so easy, but it wasn't easy. I don't know if that makes sense. Whereas the art class, like, it came easy and it was easy. Philosophy was like, it came easy when I would study and practice and read and learn about stuff. I liked doing it, but it was difficult. I was challenging myself to think in different ways, challenging myself to understand how other people think. And then I was a focus in ethics. So it that was the ethics courses were just a whole nother, like I was just so mind blown by how people thought and the world and the way different ways of looking at the world that I was just so happy but then eventually I started feeling like something's missing <laughs> again yeah 
And then that's when I just picked back up. Uh, I, and that was great. Like the two together, it was like, that's what I needed. I needed to do, I needed to be, I have to be busy. If I'm not busy doing something, right. I always feel like I'm not doing anything. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, like when I came across you, it was one of your uh, cypher videos. So let, let, me, let me say something really quick. So I, I wrote a book, I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book about this girl group who wanted to get into the music industry. Mm-hmm. And one of the characters, she hadn't touched anything related to being creative in music for years. And then when she gets to college, she finds this um, this board, this bulletin board, board that has, like, it's going to be a open mic mm-hmm. night. And she runs into another girl, and they end up doing this uh, talent show together. So you, are, you have this video that went viral doing a cypher on a college campus like <laughs> it sounds like a story almost and it goes viral like what was how did you even get to that point of the doing the cypher as you found out about it and what was that experience like for you you're asking really advanced questions first of all <laughs> it's already i'm looking at this already 22 minutes i'm like we about to have a two hour <laughs> Okay, uh, always, I mean, like I said, my brother loved music, so I've always loved music. I've always wrote music, but I was never taken seriously, and I was, I'm really, I'm a really insecure person when it comes to doing stuff. So, uh, long story short, there was a, there was a cypher before mine, a tech cypher before mine. I wanted to be in it. I asked kind of like about being in the next one. I was kind of laughed off the idea. They're like, "You're not serious. You're a clown," which I am. I am a clown. Um, trying to show people music before they laughed at me. You know, kind of made fun of it. Like, uh uh-huh. I met who are like now one of my closest friends. Like this group of guys from Houston in a library, and they were like rapping and stuff. And so I would like, and I always used to freestyle randomly. People knew I could freestyle. That was always a thing. Like, okay, Nancy, come freestyle, but jokingly. Yeah. It was never like serious, you know. You know what I mean? Like when you, right. like, oh, okay, we about to freestyle. <laughs> I just have to be kind of good at it. Then when I saw them rapping, I was like, oh, well, you know, I write some stuff too sometimes. And they're like, oh, for real, let's hear. And I was like, oh, like for real, for real. They're like, yes. I was like, okay, well, went into my. And then at that point, though, I was already doing poetry. So even though I wasn't like doing music, poetry was. I was already performing poetry, which took a lot for me to do too. Like somebody had to convince me to do that, but. That's a back, so they knew like I did poetry, so they were like, oh, well, maybe you'll be able to do. So I was like, okay, and I like sang a little thing to them, which I don't like singing at all. And he was like, you know, that's really good. And I was like, oh, I, you know, I, I I like rap too. And he, he looked at me like, okay, bitch. And I rapped him <laughs> something, and he laughed like everybody else laughs. But it wasn't like he laughed, and I kind of looked like, dang, like I just embarrassed him. So he's like, no, I'm laughing because you know he explained why. But he's like, but this is good, like. We should write stuff together. And I was like, for real? Like, <laughs> yeah. We can write stuff together. So that's what we did. Like, we just write stuff together. And then randomly, there was this poetry night. And I'm always invited to do poetry nights. Mm-hmm. And I decided to rap. And when we did the, like, the real, they had us do, like, this rehearsal to where they would pick the order of the show. And everyone knows later, later you are in the show, the better you are as an act. So if you, unless you're opening. So if you're the opening act, it's because you're really good. But if you're the finishing act, because you're really good, but you were better than the opening act. Right. <laughs> and 
later as you go. Yeah, that's just how it is. So the later you are, the better you are, except for if you're first. So they saw me kind of like do it, but I, I I just did like it was a it was the how many mics beat and um, Lauren Hills. I just rapped them Lauren Hill Lauren Hills verse, but I was so nervous. Mind you, I know this verse front backwards. I've been rapping it since I was what like twelve. But when I was on stage doing it, I just kept messing up. I was off beat. They're like, uh, okay, well, we're going to have you be fourth in the show. Uh, and I hadn't even written my verse yet. I was like, but well, this is how it's going to be because it's going to be have like this type of flow. And they're like, yeah, we're going to have you fourth. Uh, like, are you sure you're going to rap? Like, you don't want to just do, how about you do that poem that you did? Last? And I was like, no, like, I want to, I want to, I want to rap. Because yeah. if I don't do it, I'm never going to do it. Like, if I don't do it publicly once, I'm never going to do it. Like, I'm just yeah. never going to do it. Mm -hmm. So then it was dress rehearsal. And I had, and by then I had already written the verse and memorized it. I had done it in the car 50 million times on the way there. Like, for my friends that were in the car and they're like, no, like, you finna eat this so Just don't be nervous. Like, you can do it. Got on the stage in the dress rehearsal and I did it. And backstory about me, I'm always going to do good if people say I'm going to do bad. That's me 100%. The moment people start believing I can do anything is when I'm trash. So mm. the act of them like telling me you're going to be third, fourth, or whatever whack-ass place they had me yeah. was what yeah. made me feel like this, I have to, you know, I got to do this. Like, I really got to do this. So I got on stage, did the rap, and the girl who's organizing was like, okay, so we're going to have to push you to be second to last or open up the second act of the show because you can't be this early because no one's going to be on time. Wow. So she moved, she redid the whole order of the show. <laughs> then closer to it, when the show started and the first half was done and it was like a packed area, people were getting lit off the drinks. Mm -hmm. So then it was like, even though these people are good that were after me, they were not the right type of good. They were good, but they were too, they were woke good. And the crowd was getting ratchet. Yeah. Then she kept me back. She was like, no, you're going to be, you go later on in the show, later on in the show. So then I ended up being right before the last act of the show. Wow. And I did it. And I was so nervous. I was like, the mic was shaking in my hand. And I started rapping. And then it was weird because if I was like, hey, like, you know how after, after hey, <laughs> hey. And then when it got to the last, last bit of stuff, people started recording. And I was just like, you know, like, what? Like, yeah. I've done poetry before and gotten applause, and people loved it. That's great. I have I was on I was step team captain in high school. That was great. Mm -hmm. I know what it's like to be in front of a crowd and people clapping, but it that was a whole different feeling that I've never... I can't even... I can't explain it. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. it was yeah. just, <laughs> when it was done, I was just like, okay, I want to do that again. Mm -hmm. And so then another poetry night where they asked me to perform... And instead of doing poetry, I kept bamboozling people. That's really what it was. They wanted me to do poetry. <laughs> and I would go and I would rap. But then that time that I did it, it was like me and my homeboy, Eugene, who's one of the people in that Houston group of dudes. And I did it with him. He did, His verse was the first verse, and I ended the verse. Um, once, my, once my verse came on and I started, people just got really hype. Like, they got up from their seats. They started you know, recording again, and then by the end of it, the whole venue, even the bartenders, were in that hole, was just like, ah! Like, everybody was just screaming. And I'm just like, I didn't even do anything. And like, 
I'm not stepping. I'm not making any noise. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I'm just, like, I'm just rapping. Like, and it wasn't like I was rapping with energy. I had like platform shoes on, so I couldn't move too much. No. Yeah, like, it wasn't like I was like jumping around and had so, such charisma. It was literally me just standing still rapping. Like, just what I said, that you were just feeling. I, I, it's hard to explain why it's so amazing to me. And when we finished, right after we performed, we left because we didn't want to stay for the whole show. And I got into the car and my other homeboy, he was like, I know you don't think you can do anything, like, but I'm gonna be honest with you. If you take this rap thing seriously, the way you take other things seriously, this can really be something for you. Like, I really want you to know that you're not trash. Like, do you see how people reacted? Like, you really need to, if you just put, you're all into it. So then I was like, and this is years later after the first cypher. So I'm like, oh, we haven't had a cypher in a while. Let me organize a cypher and let's make it a 90 cypher. And then we, I picked people together, got the videographer, got the um, DJ, DJ Spoon. We all sat together, organized the thing, like, okay, how are we gonna choose the rappers, yada, yada. All that is noise, all that is noise. It was, we picked the order. I didn't wanna be first or last because I felt like I didn't have the best verse. When it was my turn to come, when we, before we even did that, we had a thing where all the rappers got to hear everyone's verse so nobody could bite somebody else's verse. So then we all spit the verses and I kept messing up over mine. But when I did it in the room, it just got really quiet. And everybody was looking at me. And then my homeboy, Eugene, was like, well, I told you this, how was that? Because he was on the right, he was on the right before me. Uh-huh. And so he was like, well, I told you this, I was live. And I was just like, okay. And they're like, you know, you sound like Lauren Hill. Like, you sound like this person. You sound like this person. But it was a 90s cypher. And I was very smart about, because I wrote that verse literally to, like, every 90s flow that I could think of, I put in that verse. That was like, because he was like, you have to get attention. Like, you got to get people to, and I was like, this is perfect. I can use this cypher. I said, hopefully, if I hit do this right enough, it's going to just showcase enough to where people will want more type. That was always, that was always the plan. I just didn't know it would really be as successful. When I was thinking people were going to notice me, I meant, like, at school. <laughs> not like the world. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I wasn't thinking like I was like, oh, I'm gonna go on campus. It's gonna be like, hey, now you want you to rap at shows? Not people hitting me from New York. Like, man, you did it. Mm-hmm. So once we did the little rehearsal and everybody spit their verse, and I didn't mind just you know just doing it. Like, okay. And then the way everybody was looking at me, and I was like, oh, it's because I'm a girl. They didn't expect it to be a girl. Mm-hmm. And then when we recorded it. We did twice. So the video that's viral is a second, the second runaround. We went through all the rappers the first time. The second time was what what actually went viral. And the first time, I had changed up because it's not a hardest rapper in the cipher. Not on my purse. It was everybody in the cipher know the queen come first. So, yeah, that was the first line. But then as people, black people always late. So the first runaround, nobody was there. By the time we got to the second time, we're about to run it through the whole area and it looks like just those few people in the back of the shot but that's just the shot in front of us where the like behind the cameraman it was packed like the whole area the outside yeah it was just and it was finals and outside because they were like bro why why are people rapping outside during finals like yeah. like when people are about to study for finals so it's like once he did that i was like i gotta change this whole up like <laughs> now and people are watching like she's the only girl in this whole it was 13 of us so she's the only girl in this group of 13 dudes she better kill this whole like and the other girls were looking at me like bitch you better not embarrass us like, <laughs> <laughs> so 
So when I did it, and then when I was done, the roar and like, it was just wild. And then the video actually ended up being trash, the edited video. Mm-hmm. Like voiceovers and like stuff. It just ended up being terrible. And then my homeboy, Udine, he was like, post it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, what? He was like, just post that. Yeah. <laughs> He was like, oh post the raw version. And I was like, no, he told me not to post it. He said, <laughs> <laughs> it was like the devil in the back of you. He's like, post it now. And I was like, well, I'm going to just post it on my, I was, I'm going to just post it on my Tumblr. Post it on Twitter too. I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, post it everywhere. And I was like, I post it on Facebook. I was like, I don't even get on my Facebook. He's like, get back on now. <laughs> everywhere and I left it alone and then I guess the right person on Tumblr saw it and it just like I didn't even know it went viral when it was going viral. Wow. I did not. <laughs> I went I, I logged into my Tumblr one day and I had like 30,000 follows and I was like what? Wow. Like what's going on? And then it was on Worldstar and it was on like it was just it was crazy how it happened like I didn't even I was minding my, I was doing, it was finals. Oh my goodness. And then the video that went viral wasn't even the one that I posted. <laughs> yeah, because that's why everyone was like, who is she? And I'm like, who, what's her name? And I was just like, who? It was this girl named Glitter Guapo. Who that posted? Then eventually she like tagged my name. And that's when I knew it went viral because I didn't even follow her. I don't know how she saw it, but wow. like after she tagged me, people were like really going through 176,000 notes trying to figure out who I was. And then once they saw that little reblog from her where it's like, oh, the girl's name is da 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 her Tumblr, it just, it just went from there. Yeah, that, that video right there, it did it for me. I saw the other one too. They was, they were, oh my goodness. Like that's when people were like, okay, so when is album coming out? <laughs> oh, link me to the mixtape. Yeah, I ain't even know. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't ready. But I was still too new. Like I didn't know what that. I was like, huh? Like how can I do it? What? What? <laughs> so how would you say that? Did they kind of give you a push to wanna come out with a mixtape? They did. They gave me too much of a push because I came out with, <laughs> and it was tragic. It was so like when I listen to it now, it's so bad, and I definitely wasn't yeah. ready. I wasn't ready. Like. Even though I've been like writing music and rapping like in secret for years, that was I had just came out as like you know what I mean like I was just learning how to add charisma to verses and really perform. Yeah, like I wasn't ready to do that, but it was just like and then my friends they just kept pressuring me like you gotta strike while the iron is hot like I want something right now if you was gonna blow up, it would be right now. Whereas if I could go back, I wouldn't have done that because I would have just. Yeah recording another video, just kept recording verses and then waited mm-hmm. and then let my first anything out be this. Like I wish this was my, like Seasons was my actual album that I put out first, like project, maybe not cause this is my first album, but I wish it was my first project overall mm-hmm. that I ever put out. Cause I think it would have been better, but I didn't have room. I just, I'm, I'm very bad at that. Like I allow people to pressure me into certain things. Let me not say every, certain things. I went through a really, really, really bad depression. Um, it was It's not my first, but I suffer very bad. Like I suffer a lot with depression, but it was really just, 
it was bad. I gained 60 pounds. Um, really, I gained 80 pounds. Just going to keep it 100. But we're going to say 60. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I lost a lot of friends. I wasn't doing very well in school at all. I had lost my job. I was at one point, like, sleeping in my car low-key because... Between, I was between apartments, and when I got another apartment, I was about to get evicted from my apartment. It was just like, and it was just a lot. And in that process, like that period of the two years, seasons is more so the second year of the two years of depression, and in the rebuild year of me finding out, like, because once you get out of depression, it's fine and dandy. You realize, like, oh, I think I'm feeling better every day. I can get up every day now and not be bad. But then. After you have that, oh, I can get up, I'm good, wow, I'm happy. You then have that moment where you look at yourself for the first time realizing that you were depressed. So when you get out of it, you still don't see yourself yet. You're still like, oh, my God, like, I'm getting out of it. I'm going out. Yeah. One day I woke up and I looked in the mirror and I was like, why do I look like that? I was, I was really shocked, like, oh, my God, like, look at me. Like, this is what I, what, what did I go through, like? And then building now up from that to like, now that I'm out, I now have to rebuild and fix all these things that I broke because I was in such a dark place. That's what the album is. It's like, to me, it was like seasons. Like I was in a really long winter and then it's like the spring of getting out of it. And then the summer of like acceptance and realization and anger. Like, I'm so mad that this happened to me. Like, I'm so mad that I'm going through this and in the fall of like okay we're getting ready for a new chapter in my life like i've accepted everything that's happened i've acknowledged it i've changed it i've learned lessons i can't go back and redo anything so let's you know let's let's get ready to make sure next winter isn't like last winter type shit so that's really what the album is about and that's why it has like all those interludes of my friend tyler kind of explaining her story because to me her life story kind of matches my life in a different way like obviously i didn't it wasn't the same thing, but it's the same concept of you feel so empty and so alone and you have a lot of anger. And then within that anger, you discover who you are again. Yeah. Just, yeah, I mean, that's basically what the album is. So that's why I split up the way it is into each song being a different season and feeling. So what are some of your goals as you're taking this journey to be, you know, the rapper you want to be? What do you see yourself doing like in the next year or the next five years? Um, I definitely need to start working on my second project, videos. I mean, just everything that comes being an artist, like forming more videos, getting a fan base. Um, working out has been a big thing. But yeah, just trying to build, like, just trying to build and trying to, yeah, like, make more music and follow my dreams. Because, I mean, this is it for me. Like, I just want to create. Not even just music. Like, I just want to create and be successful at creating. that you've worked with or would like to work with? I've worked with, I've only, this sounds so bad. I'm not good with features because I'm not social, like I said, so. So, I mean, I've only worked with this boy named Mac, and then the only reason why I worked with him is because, you know, I don't know him. We are like Twitter friends, and then he's friends with a lot of people I know. And then I've also listened to his music and personally enjoyed his music and kind of where he goes with it. So I knew, like, his beat selection and, who he is as a person that he raps isn't trash. Like, you know, yeah. it was like one of those, like, and it wasn't a lot for him to reach out to me either. He literally DM'd me and was like, hey, I'm trying to get on a song. I think it'd be perfect for us. And I was like, okay, cool, I'm down. Like, that's literally, <laughs> and then it was it became a song on the album. So <laughs> that's it. To the point. 
There's this girl named Taj uh, from Dallas. I really like her. She's her name is at Taj on Twitter. Um, we were on a cipher together, but the cipher never. My version on the cipher never got posted. for like technical difficulties. I didn't like it, um, so I didn't let them post it. Um, <laughs> I would love to work with her, but I don't really know. She talks about different things than I do, and then like her beat selection is different. So I don't really know how that would work out, nor would I ever reach out to anybody about working with them because I'm just not that confident, to be honest. So the world will never know. <laughs> You'll get there. You know, like this this podcast thing, this is my first time doing it, and it's uh, it's different, <laughs> you know, just because honestly, I'm very, I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably people at work don't even know I do this. That's the type of thing, you know? It's like, okay, but when I see some talented people, that people that will inspire me to continue to do what I want to do, it just seems like it's easier for me to reach out to people that aren't near me, if that makes sense. Yeah, because it's not. <laughs> no, I definitely, you know. I understand that. I'm working on it. I'm going to get there. That's all I just tell myself. I'm going to get there. I'm not going to rush myself I was not telling myself that because that's good. It's like one step at a time. So have you done anything that you never thought you'd do before? And it doesn't have to be related to your work, just something in life you just never thought you'd do, but you did. Driving. I never thought I would drive a car or learn how to drive a car. That sounds so weird. But yeah, that's 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 the one thing. I was amazed. I was amazed when I got a license, everything. I got my license when I was twenty two. say like you don't have to have a timeline I don't believe in that necessarily I believe that you do have a time because you don't know what could happen tomorrow you never know what you can accomplish until you actually try it you got to try and you also have to make sure you have a good foundation so find a support group get that support group find yeah yeah, like just do it just try it try it in any little way that you can and is there a quote you live by a book you read or this education of the negro by carter g will uh woodson wilson woodson whatever whoever listens to it yeah. you know, i know the first and middle initial um invisible man there's so many books that i can um utilitarianism i don't really know who it's by but it's like a philosophy book miseducation of the negro and invisible man reading those two books and a yellow raft in blue water i've heard of the um what's the first one you said the miseducation of the negro Yes, I've heard of that book. You're not the first person I heard say that, so that means I have no, to go check that book out. Yeah. I really do, because it, it just puts a lot of things into perspective. I mean, even though I'm Nigerian, I would recommend anybody who has any type of color in them to read that book. Thank you for telling me that. And so now we're going to conclude the what I like to call the serious part of the interview and go to some fun, random questions. Are you ready? Okay. What is the last song you listen to? Don't Wish Me Well. Solange. If you could meet anyone, who would it be and why? Lauren Hill. Because of all the obvious reasons. <laughs> oh, yes. <yeah. laughs> Have you been to one of her concerts? 
No, and I was supposed to go to, don't even remind, there was one on Thursday. There was one on Thursday in Houston and I couldn't go because of work. And, and my friend even offered to pay for my ticket. Like oh. I could have met her. I could have been on stage. There was like a package where you could go on stage and sing with Lauren Hill and Nas. You know, they're on tour right now. I don't even. And then she was here Wednesday in Dallas. So. Oh my goodness. And what is your favorite movie? Man, I don't know. It's it's that's that's hard. Goodfellas, Goodfellas, Inception. Goodfellas, Inception, Memoirs of a Geisha. An anime called Akira, Princess Mononoke. Probably that those are gonna be the ones that are up there in the Dark Knight. And if you could have one day to do anything you wanted, what would you do? Does it have to be realistic? I think I would like spend a day with my dad. Oh, that'd be beautiful. I'd go back in time and just like have, and I know exactly which day I would spend. Like I would like to relive that day again. And what is your favorite, and who is your favorite comedian? Hey, that's a hard one. <laughs> that's really a hard one. Cause you want to say Chappelle cause of like skits and shows and standups, yeah. but Eddie Murphy is a big part of my man, but then Chris Rock. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't say Chris Rock, yes. And but then it's like Richard Pryor. Oh my goodness. Richard Pryor is the ancient. I'm gonna say Eddie Murphy. I'm gonna say Eddie Murphy. I'm saying Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Okay. And if you could be any character from any show, cartoon, movie, book, what character would you be and why? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know if I would be Goku. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like low key, I would be Dora, the Explorer. Oh, that's a good one. I haven't heard one like that. That's a good one. <laughs> she got no supervision and she run around with a monkey in a backpack and going all these places with Buku support. So I, yes. like, I might like all the people in the world. All the people in the world be answering her questions. Um, my name is my name on everywhere. So SoundCloud, Nezzy Dash Mamadou, Twitter at Nezzy Fa. Um, Tumblr is actually not even my name, it's above ignorance. Um, but my website has all of that. So when you go on my website and you like click the little social media links, it should take you to and my website is www.nezzymamadou.com. But yeah, just go on Twitter and at N-E-Z-I-F-A-H and then you can just ask me how to reach me and other stuff from there. But do not go on my Facebook. You can't reach me from Facebook. Oh. Stop requesting me on Facebook. I hate the app. Stop. Stop it right now. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this podcast interview with me. I was, oh, it was tricky, like, because, ooh, let me tell you. But I am so, so glad that you did this with me. You're the first rapper I've had to interview. That is good. Oh. You're a woman. <laughs> Yes, that makes me so happy. Yeah, I love that word. When people say you're a woman, I was like, yeah. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your honesty. Um, and to me, it's really amazing how I mean, I don't know you personally at all, but you're being open and stuff. I just love it. You, you inspire me. <laughs> okay, so thank you so much, Nancy.
No problem. You have a good night. You too, uh. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and invite your friends to listen as well. For more information on today's episode, head on over to charactersheer.com and follow me on Twitter at charactersheer. Don't forget to check out my books on Amazon. Until next time, don't be a stranger, be a character. Be a character.